You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning, and please be seated. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center from a chilly Santa Monica, California today. I want to thank you all for joining us. Um, we are in session, and we have an interesting show for you today. Um, we're going to be going inside the Beltway. We're going to have three Hoya lawyers telling you uh, what's um, giving you the inside scoop on certain things going on in Washington, one of which is SOPA. The Stop Online Piracy Act, which has become so controversial and has led to a big rivalry between Hollywood and the tech industry. And we're going to have um, David Sneed's going to be talking about that, um, giving us um, his view from the front line where he's been battling um, against SOPA. And um, there appears to be a, a compromise emerging that we'll be talking about. But we've talked about SOPA a number of times on this show. Um, and then we'll be um, talking with another Hoya lawyer, um, former uh, Assistant Secretary of Housing, um, Steve Nesmith, who, um, who has an interesting background. But just by way of introduction, I was at a, um, a conference at Caltech this weekend. Um, Caltech and MIT has an um, entrepreneur forum. And the, um, the program was, this, this month's program was um, entrepreneurial success, failure, timing, and dumb luck. Um, and you know, sometimes you know, opportunities just fall into you and sometimes you create them. Well, Steve Nesmith is interesting in that um, he went to law school with me at Georgetown, but he, um, he also shot the winning shot for Crosstown Rival American, where I also attended, and uh, against then fifth-ranked Georgetown 
with Patrick Ewing. And um, it's actually a very interesting story, the whole background of it. Um, and we're going to have him on in a few minutes to, to give us some discussion about what it's like to take on Goliath and then what it's meant in terms of his career. And um, also he's going to give us some insights from his career in government. But um, before that, um, last week, you may recall, we had Rebecca Madigan on to talk about the Amazon tax and its enactment by fiat in Pennsylvania. And what's interesting is that a lot of the response that I've seen to um, the enactment in Pennsylvania has been more on what the merits of it. Um, Should it be enacted? Should it not be enacted? And I think what's been completely overlooked is the fact that in the, the cradle of liberty, the state where um, you know the Liberty Bell rang, um, where we signed the Declaration of Independence, which was our first capital, and only a mere twenty so or forty miles or so from the, where President Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address to um, dedicate ourselves to that which those the soldiers gave their last ounce of devotion to. And that was that government of the people, for the people, and by the people shall not perish from the earth. And um, just down the street from that, you have um, the Pennsylvania Department of Revenue announcing that it has always had the Amazon law. And um, so we are now enacting it, even though for the first generation of e-commerce, somehow the Pennsylvania Department of Revenue decided not to collect any taxes. Um, from out-of-state vendors um, and leaving over a billion dollars on the table in tax revenue, even though um, the state legislature tried to um, pass legislation this year to create the Amazon tax in Pennsylvania. But somehow, despite that, and despite Pennsylvania law, which expressly states that certain laws are to be um, uh, interpreted strictly, and among them are tax laws, which and so tax laws are not to be interpreted liberally or expansively. Um, the Department of Revenue chose the opposite route and said, "Guess what, boys? We have an Amazon tax." Um, you know, the fact that that would happen in a, in a place so steeped in the history of um, opposition to taxation without representation, to um, standing for the democratic process, and that that, that could be. Um, totally ignored in that place of all places. It should be disturbing to um, all Pennsylvanians, if not Americans. And so um, today it posted an Amazon, excuse me, today it posted on the Huffington Post. I have a column um, on the um, a- adoption of the tax by, um, um, by press release in the Credo Liberty. And um, so I-, I welcome you to check it out. It's in the business section of, of Huffington. And um, you know, I I think it's something we all should be concerned. There's a if you go to the Capitol building in Washington, there's an inscription on the wall, and um, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but we have Steve Nesmith on. Steve, are you with us? I am here. Thank you for joining us. I wasn't where you were here. I was sorry you had to miss my diatribe. Um, <laughs> so, um, Steve, I know I only have you for a few minutes, but. Um, Steve Nesmith was the former Assistant Secretary of Housing under President Bush. And um, what was your title at Commerce? Deputy Assistant Secretary uh, for uh, Economic Development. So he has a, uh, he's had an outstanding career in government and law. Um, he, um, he was a, on scholarship at American University Basketball and um, a letterman and uh, who played 
in London and in Cork, I believe, in uh, in European League after college. And um, so, Steve, I want to thank you for coming. Um, going to the the 1982 game between Georgetown and American, um, they're crosstown rivals. Um, and actually, in, in the 70s, um, I think American had won like five out of eight eight games. Um, but now, you know, Georgetown was a different Georgetown. They were the beast of the East, as they were calling themselves. <laughs> and they were just coming off um, losing in the national championship game um, after having a shot chance to win it in the final seconds. And, um, and of course, Freddie Brown was a classmate of ours at Georgetown as well in law school. But um, and but you, your team was going in with a brand new coach who was only coaching his fifth game, I believe. That's right, at Taft's oh, How did that feel going into you're up against um, the defending national runner-up? And um, what, what was your feeling going on the court that day? Well, it was an amazing day. Thanks for having me on, first of all. And uh, it's a great program to show that you have. Uh, it, was a, it was a tremendous feeling. A tremendous feeling because you got to remember that year, Georgetown had three high school All-Americans, Patrick Ewing, uh, Anthony Jones, and Billy Martin. As you said, they were number one team in the country. Uh, we did not think we were going to beat them. And funny factoid is that at American University, we actually prepared for Georgetown game, the Georgetown game, by having one of our players stand underneath the court with a broom. And every time someone would shoot, they would just bat the ball out because, you know, you, you can't score. So that was one thing we did. <laughs> our goal was to foul Patrick Ewing out of the game so at least we would lose by, like, 25, right? But he couldn't lose by, like, 50 points. That would be too embarrassing. So we accomplished that goal by uh, um, um, filing Patrick out. But before the game, coming onto that court was the most amazing feeling. You think about it, it was at the old Capitol Center. It was out at Landover, right. Maryland many years ago where the Washington Bullets played. Intimidating moment. But I can tell you something. In the spirit that we had at uh, American University, uh, we always believe that uh, taking on you know the, one of the best in the country is the way you really prepare yourself and that anything can happen at any moment. Every year we would always play a team that was outsized, one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, we could beat by 30-something, but there was all those, always those opportunities that at least we would play well. And if we played well, we said to ourselves, well, we can play better. It's just what happened. This particular game was the most incredible game, uh, I think, in the school's history. You had the number one team, Georgetown, uh, going to go, had just gone to – the previous day to uh, uh, University of Virginia to play um, University of Virginia there. It was a big match between Ralph Sampson and Patrick Ewing. Of course, Georgetown lost that game uh, to University of Virginia. And the big match between Ralph Sampson and Patrick Ewing, Patrick Ewing just pulverized Ralph Sampson. But a dejected Georgetown came back to Washington, D.C. next day. They played so-called lowly American University. Right. And, and just, you know, footnote and, is the on that um, Virginia team – is the was the is the current coach of American University? That's right. Ironically, and he'll be he'll be coaching this weekend. Uh, he ought to, he he's going to be thinking about uh, 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 that particular um, a great great day. Now you remember this was important because I remember when we were preparing for the game, and they were saying Nesmith, and I was inserted into the lineup because a, a our starter got hurt at Sloan. And so there's Nesmith, you're going to be going because a high school All-American. You're going to get, you know, clobbered, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, this, uh, it was huge, a lot of a sort of emotional psychology, getting everyone psyched up 
to go into what they thought was slaughter. You know, we're going to get slaughtered. But, you know, uh, you know, it happens every once in a while. And uh, that was a great day that happened because we fouled past you and out of the game. Uh, we had a great, great team. We were psyched. Uh, we had a great point guard by Gordon Austin who wound up getting drafted Hello. by the Philadelphia 76ers. And I, I will never, I was just in a zone. And this is what was interesting. I got two incredible stories to share with you and your audience is this. You know, I was in a zone. I, I was putting the ball up. And, you know, I want to be in the second lead scorer on our team for that game, hit that, hit that winning shot. But I remember when I, Gordon Austin, drove down the middle. Patrick you and the guys came, other teammates came after him. He threw the ball over his shoulder and didn't even look at me. He had a, such a great sense of where you were on the court. I caught the ball out on the right wing, and all of a sudden, Patrick and those guys came after me. Like three Georgetown players came after me, and I was like, pardon my expression, holy shucks, or holy shit, what am I going to do? <laughs> I threw the ball up, and Tascott comes out running, no, no. I just put up, of course, it didn't go straight in because I just threw it up and it went off the backboard. Boom, boom. Went dead in off the backboard, bank shot, and the coach said, yes! Like that at the last moment. <laughs> no, yes. And it was great. It was absolutely great. And I can tell you, I mean, we woke up and we, 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 uh, got, we went back to Mercury University's campus. We could not get on the campus because the AU students were partying on uh, Massachusetts Avenue uh, there Ward on Circle, Ward Circle. Yeah. So that we stopped the bus just before we got to the school, and we got off the bus, and we were greeted by the uh, students because the bus couldn't get onto the campus to drop us off. And I'll now, never forget the thing that happened the next day. Now, a footnotes about the game. One is, obviously, you had a, a, a brother who was at Georgetown Law at the time? I did. So you had certain divided, divided loyalties, and he was at the game. Yep. And, and then another interesting footnote, though, which really fascinates me, is um, the University of South Carolina's coach had had a heart attack during the game, during, I think, just a few days before that game. And so, um, as a result, the the Washington, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the, basically a, a Washington Heart, one of the local um, you know heart institutes, mm-hmm. decided to hook up Coach Tapscott um, to an, a heart monitor and monitor the, the um, his heart rate during the Top course of, patient, of the that's game. Right. Isn't that great? Then that's and, the fact. And, and so you, you're a guy who pays, that, a, pays pick, attention you know, to the detail. That's right. That's life, an interesting part of the story. Coaching, and they they show his heart rate going off the charts, mm-hmm. um, especially when when Ewing fouled out. And uh, you know, I've always found that to be an interesting story. I remember reading it in the, the Washington Post the day after the game. You know, the one is the fascinating story of the upset, but then the the equally fascinating was the story about Tapscott. Were Absolutely. you aware he was hooked up? Absolutely. I know we're going to segue in a, in a moment to talk about technology, how technology has you know, changed a lot of, uh, of the world in which we live in, and particularly the law. But that is a fact. That's an interesting factoid. Uh, you're a student in the game, and a student, and, and that, that is something that some, not everyone would have picked up on, but it's an interesting nuance. But a, a great day. The next day, the very next day after that game, I walked into I had an exam. I walked into the exam. Everyone stood up and gave me an ovation. Uh, It was just such a great feeling. But let me tell you what it did for the campus. For the school, I think it ushered in um, what had been devoid for a long time, and that is a sense of community. A sense is, you know, we are winners. And, you know, you can't really pay for that. Uh, You can't spend money to create that type of environment on any university campus. And so the dividends that that game 
uh, created uh, has lasted for uh, a very, very long time. Because prior to that uh, game, you know, we had some a couple of bad years. We had not played well. And overall, there just wasn't a sense of community. Because remember, we had to go and travel to Fort Myers in Virginia to play our games because we didn't have a game on campus. And that game ushered in a uh, sort of a campus a feeling of oneness and community because after the game, there was all of this sort of uh, community and campus sort of gathering. Wow, we're one, we're one, we're American University. And it happened on the campus rather than in Virginia at our gym in Fort Myers. Now, that's definitely true. Now, um, you went on to Georgetown Law and ironically enough became student body president there. Um, would anyone hold that against you? That you, had, <laughs> that you had been a Hoya destroyer before you became a Hoya lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they, they, uh, they uh, quickly forgot about it uh, once I became president. I, you know, some people knew about me when I ran for uh, student body president there at uh, Georgetown Law School and, and, and known about they 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 knew about the game and uh, you know you know you get you get a couple of cross-eyed uh, looks but the key is this is once I won uh, the election there at Georgetown Law School I quickly became uh, inculcated in the Georgetown uh, spirit uh, and, and so that I I helped create um, a basketball game where you, or it was pitted, the Georgetown Law Professors against uh, members of Congress, the proceeds of that game went to Big Brothers Big Sisters, the national capital area. And, and so, also, remember at that time, I mean, people might laugh, so what, you played members of Congress, but members of Congress at that time included Hall of Famer Bill Bradley, um, Tom McMillan, who played for right. Maryland, and, and then later on for the Bullets. I mean, there wasn't necessarily a bunch of five Henry Waxmans. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, or Bronny Frank. No, these were ex-basketball <laughs> players that were, you know, had come from the professional ranks, and which, again, added to, you know, I think some of the um, excitement about that particular game that was raising money. And that was in the tradition, the Jesuit tra- tradition, the Catholic tradition of, you know, doing for others. So while I might have got a couple of cross-eyed uh, uh, looked uh, looks when when I ran, uh, I quickly got involved in the the uh, Georgetown spirit there. Now, when you were um, you then moved on later on, you were um, at a deputy secretary of commerce and for economic development. And one of the areas you dealt with is you know as we've progressed into this new technological age, there are some areas unfortunately that get left behind because um, the industry that was uh, that community relied upon is now. Um, being surpassed or outdated or obsolete, and um, what was that like to to deal with that that part of America? Sure, I mean, look, we we know that across the board, technology has um, transformed the way we live our lives uh, and the way businesses operate. It has also impacted the way law firms and legal community operate. I'll come back to one second. During my time, in the Commerce Department, um, we dealt with how. Um, international trade and technology, the advancement thereof, uh, impacted the way businesses did their business. So, for instance, you know, with technological advancements, businesses said, well, you know, I can hire fewer people and I get more efficiency if I bring in uh, an advanced machinery that can do the job of two workers or three workers. You begin multiplying that out across uh, the floor or, you know, uh, the floor of a sort of a manufacturing facility, 
and you begin you can you you can do the math you begin to start laying off tons of um set of people workers uh, and then when you begin to multiply that out uh, uh and focused around the manufacturing communities across the country there were significant layoffs as it relates to trade, uh, you know, let's say uh, jobs being outsourced abroad, in addition to the whole issue around technological advancements that made, um, that advanced business interests, uh, created more work efficiencies and more pro productivity. But as a result of that, though, you were losing workers and there was unemployment. And so we uh, at the Commerce Department worked closely with the Labor Department uh, to find uh, re uh, worker retraining. Uh, we worked on that. Uh, we wor worked on, obviously, unemployment. Um, but the whole thing was to look at a new economy because some of those jobs just weren't coming back with technological advancements. There was going to be no retreat from that. And so we really worked around uh, trying to make sure there was um, what we call job assistant uh, structural release in communities that were undergoing structural changes relate to um, trade and technological advancements. And you still see that all across the country. So one of the great things about technology is that it, it, it transforms businesses, transforms communities in, uh, in a very positive way, but it also has uh, the uh, opposite effect also of impacting um, uh, workers who are losing their jobs to technology. If you look at the law, we see how technological advances has revolutionized, revolutionized the legal landscape uh, and the way um, sort of automated legal processes, the way lawyers and paralegals and legal secretaries do their businesses every day. If you look at yeah, e electronic billing, uh, look at uh, elect uh, electronic case management uh, mm -hmm. by by uh, a law firms uh, on the corporate level uh, where I am. Um, uh, te technology has impacted every core corporate function, including how we you know uh, set up functions for uh, trademarks, patents, tracking uh, uh, stock holdings, and preparing budgets, uh, and how we uh, uh, do everything. And so. Uh, it has a, a created a significant level of efficiencies for productivity uh, and creating, you know, uh, uh, opportunities, but at the same time it has left some workers behind that haven't had the training for the new advanced technological advances. Now, um, you know, right now you're, you're in mortgage finance, and do you get a sense that, that there's more liquidity in the economy and that you know, we're rebounding or... Or we we just kind of still stuck in in um in a rut. Well, um, uh, actually, w w the answer to your question is that th there isn't liquidity in the mortgage housing space at the moment. And the reason for that is that the large banks uh, and in some instances the community banks are are very cautious uh, because on the one hand the bank regulators have said. You cannot just put loose money on the street as you did during the go-go gauge. You know, uh, no no dock down. If you don't have a job, you can get a loan. You, there's you know the so-called liar loans and the rest. So there are much more. Uh, the bank regulators are, are putting a lot heavier restrictions uh, on banks and and how and when and what circumstances they do their underwriting and can and can loan out money. So there's a bunch of money that's being pent up. Uh, within the banks that the banks were not lending out, and that would be you know credit's important uh, key uh, piston in the engine of the economy. So that's part of it. Then you have uh, companies, or corporate, the biggest corporations in this country. Uh, they're sitting on several trillions dollars of capital uh, that they don't want to put out 
uh, and invest uh, because they're unsure about where the economy is going. And until you get a demand, uh, companies are not going to spend uh, to uh, hire workers unless they see there's a demand. They're not going to spend uh, on capital improvements unless they think there's a reason to uh, grow their business. Uh, and they're not going to uh, uh, expend to, to, to do some more entrepreneurial things uh, because they see that the overall economy is still stuck. So you have banks hoarding onto money and, and not giving the credit available to move the engine of the economy and, and to grow jobs. And you have corporations that also invest into the larger economy. Uh, they're holding on the money at the moment. There must be a way to uh, unleash uh, uh, that credit and capital that uh, drives small businesses and corporations and put people back to work. Now, Steve, I'm only got a, a few seconds left and we have to break, but um, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, what's your prediction when AU plays Georgetown this Saturday? Uh, there's a really good possibility, and people ought to watch very closely, that there could be another upset like we had. <laughs> <laughs> So it, my it's real, been 29 my, my, my years. Real prediction, Although keep in mind, Georgetown dropped AU from the schedule um, after they after they almost had another upset a few years after your upset. That's right. So, that's right. They vowed never 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 to play us again. I remember when I was at Georgetown Law School. When you and I were there, I was walking on our law campus one day, and I saw uh, Coach Thompson. Many years afterwards, he was walking towards me with uh, then Father Donovan, who was the president of the. Georgetown University, and I walked up to him and I said, uh, Coach Thompson, I said, you probably don't remember me, but my name is Steve Nesmith. I play basketball at AU. He goes, no, I remember you. You were, you were uh, very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting thing. Well, anyway, his son has taken over and the rivalries resumed, so they play this son, uh, this Saturday. Steve, thank you. Hopefully um, we can have on the show the next Steve Nesmith very soon. But anyway, go Eagles. I want to thank you for being on the show. Good talking to you. Good talking to you. You've got a great show, and uh, go, Eagle. go Eagles. Thank you. Take care. We'll be back after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. As you know, being an expert at f- <gasps> What did she say? Requires lots of practice and a great tool. Think you could use some help with f- Whoa. You're not alone. Hundreds have used our tool to take their f- performance to the next level. The language. Of course, we're talking about managing Facebook ads on Aquizio. Oh. Buy, track, manage, optimize, and report on media across all major ad networks. Visit Aquizio.com to get a demo today. Aquizio. Search, social, display, one platform. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. MySEOTool.com is your all-in-one SEO management resource. MySEOTool.com makes it easy to optimize and oversee all of your SEO efforts. 
line-by-line detailed reports help you identify any problems and show you how to fix them. MySEOTool.com is completely automated. Once you use it, you will see a rise in your search rankings and traffic. Try MySEOTool risk-free today. Go to MySEOTool.com. MySEOTool.com. Hi, this is Molly Lane and Bo Blackwell from Affiliate Marketing Today. And we are wishing you happy holidays and a profitable new year. From all of us to all of you, webmasterradio.fm, wishing you happy holidays and a prosperous new year. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center on Cyber Law and Business Report. And uh, we, too, wish you a prosperous new year and a happy holidays. Of course, um, you know, if your prosperity lasts longer than eight hours, give us a call. But any event... Um, we we're glad we had Steve Smith, and people may wonder why would I, um, someone who went to Georgetown, actually be someone who roots against Georgetown? But I, I grew up in Providence, which was a big rival of Georgetown, and um, and actually Providence beat Georgetown to go to the Final Four while I was there. So it was a fun time. But anyway, we um, I want to give a shout out to some of our listeners. Um, and um, first of all, if you're listening, um, please come check in the chat room and, and get involved and give us your questions. Just click on chat if you're on the website and, and you're right there. But um, we, not only do we have a, a good-sized audience today across the U.S., but we have listeners from Mumbai, Tokyo, and Honolulu. Um, and aloha to all of you. We're glad to have you. I have a few um, more, by the way, Bennett. Um, also, Gladesville, Australia is checking in. And... Makariv in the Ukraine. A lot of international right. listeners today. Huh? Fantastic. I had a political show that had a huge following in the Ukraine. I couldn't understand that. Oh, but and in any event. And um, Coslada, Spain. There we go. Coslada, Spain checking in too. Ah, uh, yes. Um, buenos, what's it? Star days, I guess, afternoon. Buenos uh, tardes. Where you yes. are, or maybe um, noche, a good night, probably, coming with the time differences. But um, we're. Um, the second half of the show, we're going to be talking about SOPA, the Stop Online Privacy, <laughs> Stop Online Piracy Act, and um, it's really become quite controversial. It seemed to be steamrolling through Congress, and um, more or less the um, the narrative that the advocates were pushing was that um, this was f- for fighting piracy, and Google. Was the bad guy you know, standing in the way of um, American businesses trying to protect their rights, and um, they were really trying to set you know, Google up for a political fall. And then there was a big backlash. Um, the whole tech community, a lot of academics, all came back and said, "This is just an outrageous bill. It gives a broad, um, too broad authority to just outright engage in censorship on the internet to take um, take down sites you know, without very little notice." And um, we have someone from the front lines of the fight um, who's going to give us a little insight. Um, it is um, one of the esteemed internet lawyers from Washington. Um, we have Dave Sneed, who's been um, representing a lot of web infrastructure companies, and he's been very active in the whole copyright battle on Capitol Hill. Dave, are you with us? Whoops, we just lost him. We we'll lost him. Right We're back. calling him back. Um, just be a second, but um, 
any event. Um, Dave also is a, a, a Georgetown Law um, grad, so this is the third Hoya lawyer of the day. But um, it's really been an interesting fight on Capitol Hill just to watch the dynamic as it swings back and forth. Um, there's a, an effort by some of the leading opponents of the bill to create a, a watered-down version of SOPA that that really just you know focuses on what really needs to be done um, and doesn't do some of the overreaching that the um, motion picture industry and the recording industry uh, would like to have. But Dave, we have you back. Are you with us? I am. Thank you for joining us, Dave. It's a pleasure um, having you here from Washington. Um, very briefly, um, you know, how did you get involved in this issue? So I got, you know, I got involved in this issue because I represent a company whose domain name was seized by the Department of Homeland Security, and <clears throat> I got a firsthand look at how enforcement of um, how this IP enforcement works, um, or the enhanced IP enforcement that's present in uh, in SOPA would work. And so I uh, started following the issue, and when PIPA and SOPA both came up, uh, I decided that it was a good time to kind of take that knowledge and, and start lobbying against them. And, um, and so... You- We've seen quite a dramatic shift in the the fortunes of the bill on Capitol Hill, and what do you attribute that to? Uh, that it's a horrifically awful bill. Uh, <laughs> you know, honestly, SOPA is so poorly written that in order to make sense of it, I had to read it probably five or six times, and there are a lot of people who are much smarter than I am who can't figure out how it's going to work. Uh, and the, the other issue is that these bills that create death penalties for businesses, it's pretty easy to see how they would damage damage the economy and damage the Internet as a whole. Uh, so Not to pretty, say in mind the First Amendment as well. Well, <laughs> you know, who cares about the First Amendment when you know you're, you're damaging people's businesses? That's right. Why? Well, who cares about the first minute when you're having fun? But um, so um, you. Know, but that's an odd statement. Because when you think about the the power and the people behind SOPA, I mean, you have MPAA, um, RIA. I mean, basically any big lobbying group, anyone whose Christmas party you'd want to go to, um, is is really um, before this. And, and so, how how could they screw it up so badly? You know that's that's a that's a good question. I it, if you read through the bill, um, particularly SOPA, it kind of looks like a wish list. So it looks like the MPAA and the RIAA went to uh, Congressman Smith and said, "We want uh, we want to deal with DNS. We want to deal with payment processors. We want to deal with access to websites. And here's how we think you should do it." and someone just wrote it up uh, without really thinking, you know, without really talking to uh, technology providers, without talking to speech advocates. And that's why it's really clear that the tech industry can't get behind these bills because they're quite honestly technologically infeasible. Uh, You know, even the, even the, 
amendment that was, uh, or the, the, the manager's amendment that was introduced on Monday really doesn't even deal with blacklisting, uh, and it still requires filtering and packet inspection and, and things like that. So, you know, it so really does look like somebody went in and said, this is our wish list, and they said, well, Merry Christmas, you know, happy, <laughs> happy early Christmas. And it still had the, the bullet points in it instead of the legislative language. Um, let's back up and kind of break this down for those who aren't familiar with SOPA. Um, this is a, a second year of the industry attempting really to, to get a major piracy bill. And um, basically, it, it allows certain sites to be designated as um, infringing sites, correct? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of unclear how that's going to work. Um, right now, the way with the amendment, um, with the manager's amendment that was introduced, the, the U.S. attorney is going to do that, or, or the um, Department of Justice is going to do that, and it's kind of unclear how they're going to identify what are now being called rogue sites. Right. Based based on what what we know from the operation in our sites exercises, it's very likely that industry organizations are going to go to the Department of Justice with a list and say, "Here's a list of you know five thousand sites. We want you to go." to a judge and get an order ordering them to be shut down and payment processors uh, to stop facilitating payments to them. That's kind of how I think that, um, that the sites are going to be identified and, and how it will initially work. And what gets you on that site, you, on the, excuse me, on that list? You're somehow considered uh, uh, engaging in piracy or promoting piracy? Yeah, so right, the way that it's... it's uh, it's worded now is that the site has to be dedicated to infringement. Uh, and what dedicated is, is, is unclear. You know, as, as, most, as most bills are, they're intentionally vague. But what is a site that's dedicated to infringement? Is YouTube dedicated to infringement? Or is, you know, fakelouisvuitton.com dedicated to infringement? There's a, there's a huge gray area there. And how the Department of Justice will interpret that is, is not known, but it's pretty fair to assume that the Department of Justice is not going to interpret that in a way that is materially different from the way rights holders uh, interpret it, which is likely to be closer to YouTube is dedicated to infringement as opposed to these kind of sites that are clearly dedicated to infringement. Let's back up even further. Um, you know, um, right before or on Cyber Monday, the Department of Justice shut down 150 sites engaged, allegedly engaged in copyright infringement. Mm -hmm. um, so is SOPA or anything like that even needed? Do they have the authority they already need to address um, piracy? Well, so the, the operation in our sites shutdowns um, are done under customs law. Uh, and I guess the authority is there, but there's so much controversy about those seizures that this is kind of a – it's highly likely that those procedures will be challenged and uh, the seizures actually be found wanting. The other issue with those seizures is that um, 
the government then takes possession of domain names, and I'm not sure that that's what they want to do. <laughs> there's a revenue source. I th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a secondary. Uh, that's how they're going to deal with the budget crisis. Is selling, exactly uh, selling domain names on uh, on Sado. So I wonder who they'll get. You know, whether they'll match the GoGaddy girls. But um, event uh, that would make government service more interesting. But um, <laughs> so. Um, so basically, you have an effort to address online piracy by trying to cut off its sources of support, namely being the payment processors and the hosts. Mm-hmm. And so the, the idea is to put pressure on them so that, one, you, know, they, you, you cut off the, the, the lifeline of them. Um, but in doing that, it, it creates – it puts those two industries in a position – where um, they may just say, you know, to hell with it. I don't want this pressure. I just won't deal with any site that even is remotely close to this. So um, you more or less have a, a huge blacklist just by implication. Yeah, and you, know, you, you, you see that a little bit now um, where businesses make, make a decision not to, um, <coughs> not to do business with particular entities but at the same time, when you have when you have words like "dedicated to infringement" and uh, and "rogue sites," you're exactly right. These businesses will say, "Well, you know, you're going to start uploading user-generated content. I don't want to start getting letters or start getting orders from from." from a judge shutting down your site because it's going to take me time to process those. And more importantly, I don't want to jeopardize my relationship with payment processors uh, who are my source of revenue uh, by, by doing business with you. So it really kind of poisons the well for new businesses, for new and inventive businesses uh, in particular. Now, have, have you looked at um, how this has played out in other countries? I know France was trying to do a three-strikes law, and then there was, you know, after that you were banned from the Internet, more or less, and that, that completely backfired. Um, I think well, a, a actually, similar crackdown the, in Sweden led to the, pi- the Pirate Party becoming the second-largest party in, in, in Sweden. Um, so have you, have you explored that at all? Yeah, you know, I, I, I look at it, and it's, Part of the work that I do, uh, looking at, at the way other countries deal with infringement, but what has come out of SOPA and PIPA is statements from uh, the EU, uh, from EU politicians saying we can't create a balkanized internet. Um, in fact, directly as a direct result of the introduction of these two bills, the EU has come out and said we can't deal with this issue by countries building walls around their their businesses. So, you know, I think that what we do see that works are uh, mechanisms like the DMCA for all its warts. Uh, We also see what works is a lot of industry cooperation. So if the rights holders stop treating the infrastructure industry like they're part of that they are actually in bed with the infringers, they might actually get more cooperation. So I think that that's what we're going to see from a 
more global perspective. And you do see that to some extent in other countries. Obviously, without the cooperation of some of the countries where the, where these big sites are, it's going to be difficult to deal with them, but you're not going to be able to deal with them just by building a wall around your and, and just for clarification, DMCA is not a song by Village People. It is the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which has established certain procedures um, in which if there's a friend, um, copyright material on your website, um, and, you know the, the copyright holder can um, ask that you take it down and you're somehow protected from liability as, as long as you comply. Um, and we have some questions from the chat room I'd like to kind of address um, one is um, someone asked if, whether standard ICANN agreements um, give you um, make you waive certain rights um, that would allow government censorship. I'm not hmm. quite sure what that means, but um, what, how, what role does ICANN play in this? So ICANN doesn't play any role in uh, in the in, in SOPA or PIPA. I think ICANN possibly could play a role. Certainly, uh, I, I do know that ICANN is not happy with the um, Cyber Monday or the Operation in Our Sites seizures. Um, you know, I, I do think that there's that there is certainly a place for ICANN, and that might honestly be a great way of dealing with this, uh, this issue is by uh, having these multilateral organizations address piracy rather than trying to do it one country at a time. So what if you had a regime, an ICANN, um, like you know, right now if, um, if I'm cyber squatting, if I you know, type it, bought the website um, you know, motion picture industry um, you know, .org or whatever and um, started holding myself out as the MPAA, um, yeah, they could they could bring a cyber squatting action, what's known as the Uniform Dispute Resolution Process, um, under ICANN, and it, within a matter of a month, it, it could be adjudicated that I am you know improperly cyber squatting, and the domain itself would be transferred to them. Very simple process. You know, had any thought about doing that, um, doing a copyright you know or a piracy type uh, regime under the auspices of ICANN? Well, and that's. That's that's a, that's a great idea, and that is one of the fundamental problems that the organization that I work with called SaveHosting.org and the other groups that are opposing uh, these these uh, these bills have, and it's with the lack of due process that's in that's inherent in both SOPA and PIPA. You know, a month is not a huge amount of time to actually get a judge to thoughtfully consider what the business that's going to be shut down and copyright law and trademark law, which are very, very complicated bodies of law. Uh, the, what the rights holders say is that they lose so much money in the course of a month and that it, you know, they don't have time for that. But at the same time, they're really... Do need to be fundamental fairness issues embedded in in any type of regime where businesses are actually closed. 
Well, one item of fundamental fairness is that we have to take a break for our sponsors. Um, we'll be back after these messages, and we'll be continuing our great discussion here on SOPA after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brad Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Celebrating the best in online advertising, the Web Marketing Association presents... The 2012 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your banner ads, email ads, rich media, online newsletters, websites, and social media campaigns now by going to www.iacaward.org. Deadline for entries is January 31st, 2012. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry today into the Web Marketing Association's 2012 IAC Awards. Go to www.iacaward.org now. November 16th, 2004. The beginning of webmasterradio.fm and its immediate impact on the internet business world. Ad tech. AFCON. Search engine strategies. Conversion conference. Search bash. Affiliate bash. We bring you the most extensive and detailed trade show coverage. Coast to coast and worldwide. Trade show coverage delivered your way. Download it on demand now. On webmasterradio.fm. James and Arlene Martell here wishing you a, a very, very Merry Christmas and a very uh, prosperous 2012. We'd love to wish you a very happy holidays and Merry Christmas from James and myself and our family. It's Adam, Justin, Shelby and Victoria and our granddaughter, Brooke, and our son-in-law, Brian. From all of us to all of you, webmasterradio.fm, wishing you happy holidays and a prosperous new year. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Privet, namaste. Um, this is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center. We're back on um, Cyber Law and Business Report, and I want to again thank our international audience for joining us. Um, that was my my attempt at um, Hindi and Ukraine, but um, we were talking about um, you know, remedies under SOPA, and I'm here with David Sneed. David, um, what do you think would be the likely outcome? You know, where do you see this going? Where do I see SOPA going? Yeah, the, what I mean right now, there's this, there's talk about some additional bills, um, your modified bills, and um, in the short time we have left. Um, you know, what do you think is going to come out of Congress, if anything? Uh, well, so I 
I think Lamar Smith is is trying to push SOPA through, particularly with the with the amendment that he offered, uh, which is quite honestly kind of like putting lipstick on a pig. Um, but I don't I don't see SOPA gaining enough traction uh, that in its current form that it's going to be acceptable to those who are who really care about internet commerce. What I do see do see coming out of this is something along the lines of the Open Act that was uh, introduced um, by Senator Wyden and, and, and Senator Cantwell that actually creates a due process uh, uh, procedure that, that, that embraces due process for dealing with these issues. So whether it's the International Trade Commission that has jurisdiction or some other body what is what is going to come out of of this process is likely to be similar to the Open Act uh, than it is to these kind of star chamber death panels uh, that are that have been kind of boiling around for the last two years. Now it, there there is somewhat of a rich irony that um, a guy who used to head the Gray Panthers in Oregon is now the, one of the leading saviors of the internet in Congress. It, yeah, it, it is, and he is he is a uh, he is uh, an, an awesome guy to uh, to take this on because uh, I think that he has gotten a lot of heat for what he's been doing. No, yeah, I mean he's actually being he's bucking his party leadership, and uh, you know he's he, but he's led the fight on net neutrality. He's led the fight on this issue. I mean he's done a stand up job. Now, David, uh, if people want to find out more about you and your practice, where, where should they look? Uh, well, my practice is, is at dsneed.com, d-s-n-e-a-d.com, and the group that um, I'm working with uh, against these bills is at savehosting.org. Well, David, it's been a pleasure having you, and I hope you consider joining us again. How much do you think Georgetown's going to lose, lose by this weekend? <laughs> Georgetown isn't going to lose. <laughs> They're only ranked 16th. <laughs> that's heresy bennett i know i had to I had to throw that in but you know american does have the number fifth scorer in the country so there is hope at least but um david it's been a pleasure it was great seeing you in vegas um david was joined me in a group of about 20 of the nation's top internet lawyers as we we're working towards um creating a cyber law bar association and uh it's always been a pleasure working with david on that and having him here today um david thanks again and um for when we come back, actually, no, we're running out of time. So um, please check out the um, post on the Huffington um, dealing with the Amazon tax. We posted it on the chat room board. Um, it, basically, it's a very important point. And the thing I was starting off with is that when you go into the United States Capitol, there's a, an inscription by Carl Sandburg that um, a people or an institution that forget its its hard beginnings is a, is a, a nation or a people in decay. And if, if, if something like this can happen in Pennsylvania, what does that say about Pennsylvania? What does that say about us? That if we can enact a tax by mere press release, um, you know, not to get into the merits of the tax, but you know, there is such a thing as taxation without representation. And this is, this is something that we all should be outraged about. So um, this is Bennett Kelly with Internet Law Center. It's been a pleasure having you again today. And um, we hope you have a happy and safe holiday. Um, I hope you'll come back next week on Cyber Law and Business Report from here, the Internet Law Center in Santa Monica. 
And、um, court is adjourned. Have a great week. Go Eagles. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand, and he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.